Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? A podcast where I rewatch and recap every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the greatest television show of all time, exactly 20 years after each episode's original air date. So, just as a little let's get the business shit out of the way first, um, tonight we're talking about Go Fish. Um, next week we'll be talking about the first part in the two-part season finale, season two, and then the week after that. So we've got three, four whole weeks in a row because last week, um, I got to have an episode as well. So four whole weeks in a row. Sorry, my chair squeaky. And you guys are probably used to it. I always apologize for this chair and yet I don't get a new one. If you guys would like to send me money to get a new chair so you don't have to hear squeaking, um, paypal.me slash mixtress ray that's mixtress with an x and ray with an e <laughs> um so uh <laughs> i'm excited to get into the season finale it's gonna be really intense so this week is kind of a fun show because it's not intense it's just kind of um a nice filler episode before we get into the serious drama of the two-parter that ends the it's possibly the most emotionally gut-wrenching season finale of Buffy ever it probably is because season three not quite as bad season four not as bad well five is pretty dramatic um, a reminder, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Um, yes. Okay. So business stuff. We will have Buffy episodes consistently. Every Saturday, you will have an episode of this podcast for the next through the 19th. And then here's where we need to discuss some shit, you guys. So... After the season finale of season two, which aired on May 19th, 1998, um, there is four months of Buffy silence until the end of September. So that's going to be real hard, you guys. I'm thinking I have an idea. And if you guys have other ideas, great. Um, so that this podcast is not silent for four straight months. My idea is to, in the meantime, review season one of Veronica Mars. So I think a lot of people that are fans of Buffy are also fans of Veronica Mars. It won't be in the format of watching every episode 20 years later. I'm going to look up Veronica Mars right now just to see when it aired and how many episodes are in the first season. Okay, so season one. So I'll just read the description for episode one of season one. So if you haven't seen Veronica Mars, um, this way it will give you some information if you'd like to give me some feedback on whether or not you want me to do this. So, um, meet Veronica Mars, your typical high school student and private eye. A year ago, Veronica's best friend Lily was murdered. Her father, Keith, and then 
Then the town's sheriff accused Lily's billionaire father of the murder. When another man confessed, Keith was booted from office. All of Veronica's friends stopped talking to her and her mother left town. But as Veronica starts her junior year of high school, it becomes clear that nothing about her life is what it seems. Um, that's just like kind of a stupid, whatever. Anyway, if you have never seen Veronica Mars, it stars Kristen Bell and, um, the first season was in 2004, so it wouldn't be like an anniversary or anything because it debuted in September. How many episodes are in season one? Twenty-two. Twenty-two episodes in season one, four, eight, twelve, sixteen. Ooh, I don't know if we'd even have time. So I'd have to do, since there's 22 episodes and there's, you know, we'll have a, a dark period of four months. Um, I'd probably just have to do a couple of, a couple of the podcast episodes would cover two episodes of the show or something like that. Um, so it wouldn't be quite as in depth. It wouldn't be quite as intense with research and things like that. It would just be more fun. Um, watching the episodes, recapping them, talking about them with you guys. So I would really like to know if you like this idea. Um, I, let's see, how am I going to make a poll or something for you guys? Um, I think you can create polls on Twitter. So I will do that. So go to my Twitter, which is Mixtress Ray. Mixtress with an X, Ray with an E, and I will have a poll up there where it'll probably be like, okay, do you guys want me to do Veronica Mars in the interim? Would you rather we just stay silent and stick with Buffy or, you know, other option input here? You know, I'm, I'm open to whatever, as long as it's like me watching and recapping something that I like. <laughs> or that I could potentially like, like I'm into like trying a new show and, um, yeah. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know on the Twitter poll. I will put it up by the time you hear this, it will be up. Okay. I just put the poll up. Unfortunately, you can only have a poll up on Twitter for one week. That's the maximum amount of time. So, um, I might renew it every week. <laughs> um, because let's be honest, I'm probably not even going to get any votes, but please do vote. Um, just to like, you know, reinforce, validate me as a human being. So all you have to do is go to Twitter, search for Mixtress Ray, and it will be the most recent post on there, most likely since I hardly ever post on Twitter, um, and then vote in my poll. So there are three choices other Veronica Mars or just stay silent. Um, so if you do choose other, um, if you would comment, if you have a suggestion for something else that I could do, um, in the four months that we will be silent for Buffy. Okay. So now that we've got that out of the way, the business stuff, um, which I figured it's, it'll make, I mean, I'll probably talk about this too on the next few, ep the next two episodes, but I thought it would make more sense to talk about it at length now since this episode, I mean, it's not like I'm not going to have anything to say about this episode, but it's just not that intense. So let's get into it. Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two, episode 20. Um, go fish. 
So the IMDb, I really like the simplicity, the brevity of the description on IMDb. Um, so I'm going to read it for you guys. Members of the Sunnydale swim team are killed by a gill monster of unknown origins. <laughs> like UFO, but gill monster. <laughs> Unidentified gill monster object. <laughs> U G M O. <laughs> um, unidentified gill monster. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into it. This is also, if I'm renaming every episode like a Friends episode, which I think I'm going to keep up with that trend just so I can do previously on Buffy's in a concise manner. Um, and you guys seem to like it. And by you guys, I mean my mom. <laughs> so um, this episode I would call the one where Xander's in a Speedo, um, which... My mom thinks there should be more context than that, you know, something about gill monsters, perhaps. But um, for now, that's what I'm calling it. Okay, um, I just have a little suggestion. The first note that I wrote down about this episode was a suggestion to listen to these episodes, if you, especially if you have Buffy on DVD. I, I imagine the sound quality isn't quite as good if you're streaming it on Hulu or somewhere like that. But... Um, Every time I, most of the time when I watch my Buffy episodes, I'm just watching it on a TV at my house. But this time I decided to lock myself up in my little um, office closet space and um, watch the episode on my laptop. And I had my headphones on while I was doing that. And every time I do that, I am so pleasantly surprised by how great it sounds. Like I, whoever did, you know, score, soundtrack sound design, all that stuff. Um, especially like what I'm commenting on is mostly like the sound effects, the quality of everyone's voices. So like the mics that they were using probably contributed to this. Like every time I listen to a Buffy episode with headphones on, I am just so pleased by how well, how great everything sounds. Like just, I'm not articulating it well, but um, like even just like the intro of Giles, like doing the whole, you know, the thing before they start the episode, one girl in all the world, blah, 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 that whole monologue. It's just, I mean, of course, Giles has a great sounding voice anyway, but it just sounds so good and it makes me very happy. So I just wanted to share that with you guys in case you are into things that sound really great. I mean, even just like incidental sounds, like somebody walking down a hallway or flipping through pages. It's all, it doesn't sound like canned sounds. It sounds like they really actually adequately mic'd the room and got, I don't know. So kudos to whoever did all that. I don't even know what you're called, if that's your job where you make sure the sounds are good, but you did a good job, whoever you are. Okay, so the episode opens with everybody's hanging out at the beach at night. And they have just celebrated some sort of swim team victory. And I don't know why Buffy and Willow and Xander are there. Because since when do they participate in sporting events? 
but it was kind of fun to see like the conversation between Xander and Willow um, and Cordelia. They're just sort of like, you know, not Cordelia. Cordelia's not making fun of sports, but Willow and Xander are, and it's just kind of it's a conversation that reminds me of being in high school because anytime I was like subjected to any kind of like pep rally or anything like that, it was always just me and my friends making fun of it. And it was a fun time to do that. Um, so this episode is all about privilege essentially. Um, so we get the gill monster and it's, um, I guess the gill monsters are, I'm just going to call them gill monsters because it just sounds cool are a metaphor for privilege. I don't know. Like, I don't know. So they're all at the beach, whatever. Um, and Cordelia says something like, well, at least we're excelling in something for a change. Makes me want to cheer because usually I'm cheering for a losing team. And <laughs> Willow's like, well, you're forgetting or she's like, at least we're excelling in something. And Willow says, well, you're forgetting our high mortality rate. And Xander says, we're number one. And everybody in the background's like, yeah, we're number one, not knowing what they're talking about. So that was a cute moment. Buffy is, then we pan over to Buffy, who's sitting by herself, um, just on a, sitting on a piece of driftwood, staring out at the ocean, because, you know, she's depressed all the time. And, um one of the swim team members comes and sits down next to her and he's like, beautiful, isn't it? And he goes into this like weird speech about how the ocean is the mother and it's kind of creepy. And I wrote down at first, why does Buffy seem charmed by his stupid, you know, cheesy mother ocean bullshit? And then I was like, oh yeah, well she is a junior in high school. So anything that even sounds like possibly profound I would have also been charmed by but anyway he just basically is flirting with her and he's like she's like okay what are you what are you gonna do now that you won state championship or whatever the fuck and he says I want to spend more time with Buffy Summers I just like being around her and you're like what you never nobody has ever seen this guy Cameron who oh my god let's just bitch about it right now and get it out of the way this episode since it's all about the swim team there's a lot of topless boys in this episode and there's a lot of real generic looking dudes in this episode and it's, I don't know, very, yeah, <laughs> like, ugh, all the dudes. Um, yeah, I don't know what I want to say about that, except, you know, just the basic dude look of, you know, I don't know, just basic popular dude looks are not for me and I get bored very easily. <laughs> like you gotta look interesting to keep my interest, I guess. So it's, I'm really saying nothing except I'm not at all interested in these swim boys, except one of them was actually kind of pretty. We'll get to him. We haven't met him yet, really. Um, then we see that one of the boys whose name is Dodd, <laughs> whose name is Dodd, um, is holding Jonathan upside down and like putting him in the ice bucket that's holding beverages while they're having fun on the beach, whatever. And, um, so Buffy saves him and he's kind of like, God, I don't need your help. And so that happens. Then we cut to, oh wait, um, this, 
then you see like the guy that was just torturing Jonathan Gage who is the one cute boy who is played by I wrote it down he has an interesting name I think it's Wentworth where did I write it down Wentworth Miller so he's like a, he's pretty apparently he was in some show called Prison Break never saw it um, so he like takes the guy that was torturing Jonathan like for a walk I guess and he smells something funny and then all of a sudden um, his skin is in a steamy pile on the beach and you see a sea you see a gill monster in the background walking through like a sewer tunnel or something which why is there a sewer tunnel right by the beach I don't know whatever anyway so that's all that happens before you get to the theme song. I've been talking for 17 minutes and I've only gotten to the theme song, but whatever. Um, so cut to the next morning where Willow is still teaching Jenny's class and you're like, what is going on? Why are they letting a student teach the class? Um, she's like, everyone's making pie charts and she's sort of walking around the room and judging everybody's pie charts since she's being real cute like oh nice chart oh good job you know so she's so perfect as a teacher um and then she gets to gage who's sitting in the back of the room and he's playing solitaire instead of um doing his pie chart and then the bell rings snyder comes in and he uh, asks her if she would teach continue to teach the class for now and he says something about the board approving it because she's doing a good job and they haven't been able to find another teacher this late in the semester so I'm glad they had that conversation of like giving us a little bone of why are they still letting a student teach class I mean I guess it is the hellmouth. there are different rules so um, and then Snyder drops this little nugget of um, he outlines the privilege theme in this episode essentially he says to willow in no uncertain terms that even though gage has not been showing up not been doing his assignments not um not showing up for tests he is expected to still get a good grade and um he basically you know says it without actually saying it in, like you better give him a good grade or else but not actually literally saying that you know um, and Willow's shocked by it of course so she's talking to Cordelia and Xander about it afterwards and Cordelia basically says certain people are entitled to certain privileges um, so yeah that's a thing then we um, go cut to Cameron in a Mustang. He's driven Buffy to school, I guess, because this is, which is weird. Like they were just showing people in class and then, I don't know, maybe Buffy's skipping class and driving around with Cameron, whatever. Um, Cause she was charmed by his ocean mother speech. <laughs> so you see him, he's basically, you can tell by, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar's awesome I am so bored acting that he's just been going on and on and on about the ocean and how wonderful it is and talking about somebody that was the first person to ever swim the English Channel and blah 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 Gertrude somebody I think um, and she's just bored and she interrupts him and like basically says you know it's nice uh, to not have any romantic pressure because he had sat on the beach I didn't mention this 
like when he said, I want to hang out with Buffy Summers, she was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. He's like, no pressure. I just like being around you. Um, and then she, she says to him in the car, like, it's nice to, uh, talk or in my case, listen, um, for a change with no romantic pressure. And he's like, Hey, I'm not about pressure. (laughs) And then she says something about like, she's about to like cut him off. Like, okay. Um, so I'm sort of nodding off over here actually, because I haven't gotten a word in and, um, he interrupts her. This is right after he said, I'm not about pressure. And then she responds, starts to try to cut him off, you know, let him down gently. And he says, are you wearing a bra? (laughs) It's like, okay. So then we get into the second theme of the episode, which still ties into the whole certain people get certain privileges theme that Cordy outlined just in the scene before this, which is that, um, it's, it's a slut shaming theme. It's so, are you wearing a bra begins that. And then Buffy's like, what? And then he starts to come at her and like, I'm not about pressure. And then he starts like lunging towards her. Like, you can't tell me you haven't been thinking about this since last night. And I mean, like, what is it? 12 hours later at this point? Like, but this is so how dudes in our society are. Okay. This is the patriarchy right here. This whole thing, this whole, this scene and like the one right after it are very triggering and very literally remind me of high school because this is how dudes were. You know, they'd be like, oh, I'm not about pressure. Everything's cool. They'd have a five second conversation with you and then think, okay, I've been nice to this bitch for a solid five minutes. She's got to put out now, right? (laughs) Like, really? This is literally how boys are. Literally. Hopefully they're better 20 years later. I think they probably are a little bit, but I am obviously not in high school now, so I don't know. But anyway, so he starts lunging at her and she's like, I think I need to get out of this car now. And um, he locks the doors on her. It's possible he does that before he starts lunging at her, but whatever. Anyway. So he's trapping her in the car and he's about to assault her. He's also in broad daylight parked at the school. So I don't, whatever, like, is that anyway, not the right place to assault someone. Guess what? There's never a right place or time to assault someone, but generally, wouldn't you think about like, you're going to get caught if you're on school property in broad daylight in a parking lot where there are people everywhere. Anyway, so he starts lunging at her. He's locked the doors and um, he says, relax, I'm not going to hurt you. And Buffy says, oh, it's not me I'm worried about. And he's like, oh, you like it rough. Also, very much something that would happen that has happened. Okay. They're getting it right, the writers on this one. Um, And that's when Buffy um, (laughs) grabs him grabs his wrist because he's like trying to touch her whenever he says you like it rough and he's about to grab her and she like sprains his wrist pulls his head back and smacks it against the steering wheel (laughs) and then Snyder happens to walk by and he sees her do that so of course he's blaming her so the next scene they're in the nurse's office it's like okay well you got a sprained wrist but your nose is not broken um it's just bleeding and his coach is there (laughs) so it's the nurse 
it's the coach of the swim team, it's Buffy, it's the guy that just tried to assault her, and um, also Principal Snyder. They're all in the nurse's office together. And um, he's, you know, whining, like, oh, she hurt my nose. And um, just she leads me on and then she assaults me and blah 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 and Buffy comes up when did I lead you on and he and he says to Snyder look at the way she dresses and in this scene she is wearing just a regular it's not a tank top tank top it's just like a nice looking sleeveless shirt it's there's no cleavage Later you will see that, of course, my neighbor is like a landscape person. So, of course, I have to shut my window now because he's going to start making noise, but you can still hear even with my window shut. Sorry, I don't have a soundproof booth. Proof booth. If you would like to pay for some soundproofing for me, paypal.me slash Ray. That's mixtress with an X, Ray with an E. Okay, back to the episode. So this whole like slut shamey situation is something that I connect to. So it's time for personal stories with Mixtress. When I was in high school, I was a goth kid. I also, I I hit puberty. I, I think this is a lot more common now, but back then I hit puberty. I was one of like a small handful of girls that hit puberty as early as I did. So I already like had my period. I'm pretty, it was either fourth or fifth grade. I think, I don't think it was third. It was fourth or fifth grade. I got my period. And that was very, it was like me. It it was kind of lucky almost because me and my best friend Holly were like the, one of the only, there might've been one or two other girls that had all also hit puberty by that point but everyone else in our grade was still pre-pubescent and we were the only ones we were like amazons you know like I was full size the size that I am now when I hit puberty in fifth grade and um so yeah (laughs) it was I mean I wasn't really prone to feeling that awkward but it's an interesting experience for A young girl, like when you hit puberty early, that means you start getting male attention early. And that includes adult men. Like you, I'd be walking down the street and getting catcalled, you know, at the age of 13, 12. And I mean, that's something that just like gets into your soul forever. And, you know, so it's, at the point that I was in high school, it was a few years later, of course. Um, and I got probably starting in middle school, even actually, I was always getting called a slut, um, usually behind my back, but sometimes directly. And I mean, it was a combination of things. It was one because I, you know, was, I had the body of a woman, even though I was a child still. And also because I, I wore a lot of short skirts and fishnets and just anytime you're dressing on the fringes, which 
as a goth kid, I dressed on the fringes. For whatever reason, people think that that makes you like a sexual deviant. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Just basically, if you're any kind of exotic, quote unquote, version of a woman, they think you're like a, a dominatrix and a sexual deviant. And so I think I got a lot, almost more of that bullshit than the average chick my age did. So all of this stuff brings back memories. Like I used to get sent to the office all the time because of the way I dressed. And it wasn't like I was, you know, I wasn't, I didn't even show cleavage until like the last five years of my life, first of all. But like, I didn't show off my ass. Yeah, I had short skirts and I had long legs. Like, whatever. (laughs) But anyway, so I got sent to the office. I sometimes got sent home to change Um, you know, the way that I dressed was a distraction to other students. Like I got all this shit. So I totally understand Buffy's plight in this situation. It's very literal. This is not a Buffy metaphor situation. This is literal what's happening right here. So the coach kind of tells her, this is not a dance club. Dress more appropriately from now on. And at this point, you haven't even seen that she's wearing a short skirt You just see that she's wearing kind of a nice sleeveless top and you're like, what? Like, obviously it doesn't matter. Like you could be wearing something quote unquote slutty or not. And it doesn't matter. You don't deserve to be, you know, called a slut or say that you're a distraction. You don't deserve any of that shit, no matter what you're wearing. But at this point, it's a especially ridiculous because you don't see that there is anything that could even possibly be interpreted as inappropriate in the way that she's dressed at all. (laughs) And later you see she's wearing a very short skirt, but that's, that's a Buffy thing. She wears really short skirts. So it's hot, whatever. Like it's okay. So this is the whole rant that I have where like, I, I don't see the problem with a person dressing quote unquote provocatively, like not only because women don't, you know, deserve any unwanted advances whatsoever, no matter what they're wearing, but also because it's fun to dress cute. Like if I still had legs as nice as I did in high school, I'd probably still wear short skirts. Like I don't mind cuteness and I don't mind somebody thinking I'm hot as long as they don't tell me about it. I don't need to know. So here's a message to all of the um, boys with privileges in our society. It's okay to think a chick is hot. It's okay to admire their legs when they're wearing a short skirt, but you have to do so discreetly and don't tell them you're doing it. Okay? Just keep it to yourself. That's all. You can appreciate a hot ass in the calm, quiet of your own brain. It's not that hard to be discreet when you're checking somebody out. Okay? All right. Soapbox over for now. Let me climb down so we can get back to the episode. Okay, so the next scene is, this is another thing that is just, this bothers me. So Giles, Willow, and Xander, they're all in the library. At this point, they know about the death of that first kid, Dodd, and they're doing research. 
and Buffy is complaining about the situation that just happened to her. And they're all staring at her like like she's monopolizing the situation and she just needs to shut up about it and get over it. And that sucks. That made me mad. They're not, that's not cool that they're not even, they don't even care about her pain. So I wrote that down. And then when I was doing my research um, in the episode guide, Bite Me, afterwards, I wanted to read a quote from, um, from Bite Me because they, the writer also, the writer, Nikki Stafford also had, um, the same reaction to that scene. So here's what she says. The most disturbing thing about the incident is the lack of compassion the gang shows Buffy. As she stands and complains, they all give her that won't you please shut up look as if being violated is an everyday occurrence. So this, um, I guess I'm not done with my soapbox. <laughs> but this, I also find very realistic. Like something, this is something that I relate to Buffy about because I, I got this kind of treatment a lot in school and it would be something that I definitely want to vent about to people. And most of the time they gave me that please shut up look because they also sort of, I mean, it's very slut shamey. Like even my friends and people that I cared about would kind of be like, well, you do kind of dress slutty. So what do you expect? Like you're asking for it. I mean, I, and I don't think that's, I don't know. I kind of understand why they put that in there because Buffy was like in rant mode and obviously she's not in danger. She can defend herself and they know that and they're talking and they've got quote unquote more important things to think about because people are dying. But I don't know, it just, it bothered me that they were just not sympathetic to that situation. Um, but also reminded me of my own high school experience. So I guess that's why they put that moment in there. Okay. And then my next note is where's Oz? <laughs> like, seriously, we haven't seen Oz. Let's, let's look back here. I'm going to look back at the list of episodes. Okay. Phases is when we found out he's a werewolf. He was in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. That's the last time we've seen him. So it's been one, two, three. This is the fourth episode without Oz. And it's also been since February 10th that we've seen Oz, like since we're watching this in real time right now, or I am anyway, it definitely, you can feel the weight of those three months that we haven't seen Oz. February, March, and April, we have not seen Oz and no one's even mentioned him. Like this is just a pet peeve. I always say this about Joyce as well. It's probably been possibly that long since we've seen Joyce as well. And, you know, I get the practical reasons for this, because at this point, Seth Green was doing other stuff. We will see him much more consistently next season. But this season, um, he wasn't like, I don't know, a full-time member of the cast. I understand he was doing movies and things. He was probably filming Austin Powers at this point. 
Um, I get the practical reasons for that, but I wish they just would have at least given us a throwaway line of like, you know, just a commentary on where Oz is because it just seems odd that he would just be gone and Willow would not be saying anything about his absence. So it's just my little pet peeve. So now they're in research mode and they're talking about, okay, so what is a beast that eats everything but the skin? Whatever. So, and then um, you cut to that evening. They're still at the school. They've been in research mode ostensibly all goddamn day. Xander is going to the soda machine and um, to get soda, obviously, and he runs into Cameron. And this is where we get the quote of the episode, which is kind of this little, this small exchange. He accidentally runs into Cameron and Cameron's an ass to him. And um, Xander says, like in the nose, Cam, good look for you. And Cameron says, meaning what? And then Xander says, meaning Buffy not must not be on your list of privileges after all. Man, I love it when you guys mess with her. So this is where we start seeing that, um, spoiler alert, Xander is going to be the most valuable player of this episode because he, even in the face of possibly getting, he's about to get bullied possibly by one of the swim team elite, he still stands up for himself and, um, gives kudos to Buffy. Um, then Cameron goes to the cafeteria to get food, I guess. Um, and he starts smelling something funny. And then he is, you also see him as a pile of skin. And um, Xander goes in because he hears him screaming or something. And that's when Xander encounters the gill monster. So the next scene, they're back in the library and Cordelia is suddenly a sketch artist. Xander is describing the creature and Cordelia is drawing it for him. Um, and then we get, we get problematic moments with Cordelia, which have happened, I think, last episode and this episode. Um, Cordelia says something, she makes some comment about how Xander ran like a woman whenever he saw the sea creature, um, which, come on, Cordelia, really? Run like a woman? Seriously? Okay. Um, so then we get the narrative that Buffy says, hey, you know, the first person that was attacked was the number one swimmer on the team, Dodd, the second, num the number two swimmer on the team was Cameron. So now she suspects that Gage, the third best swimmer on the team, might be the next victim of the guilt monster. Um, so they decide that um, Willow's going to interview Jonathan because, you know, perhaps somebody summoned some sea creatures to kill the swim team because they are they don't like the swim team. So they're like, Hey, Jonathan has a reason to not like them because he was bullied by them and he didn't make the team when he tried out. So Willow's going to talk to him. And there's this really fun scene the next day, whenever she's questioning him and she's like shining a desk lamp up in his face, you know, like interrogation style. And she questions him and they find out that, um, Jonathan did not do anything nefarious. He just peed in the pool. <laughs> 
Because at first he looks kind of guilty and finally he confesses that what he did was pee in the pool. So it's not Jonathan. This whole thing is not his fault. So nice to get some Jonathan time, always. Um, Buffy suggested, uh, in the scene before this, she suggested that she um, needs to keep an eye out for Gage since he might be next. And so Giles suggests that he, that she sort of follow him discreetly, which of course Buffy doesn't know how to do discreet. <laughs> so she's just sort of like, openly staring at him at the bronze or wherever else he is and to his credit he notices immediately like the first scene you see her tailing him she is like sitting reading a magazine at the bronze staring at him while he's playing pool and he like immediately looks over and he's like why is this bitch following me he doesn't say anything at first um, or maybe that's not the first time. No, 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 I'm getting that mixed up. Because he confronts her at the bronze later that evening. But the first time you see her, like, openly staring at him, it's in, like, the student lounge area, and he's playing a Game Boy, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. Um, and he notices immediately in that scene that she is staring at him and following him and then he confronts her later at the bronze, like, what's the deal? Why are you following me? And she tries to play it off like, <clears throat> like, well, I'm a swim groupie. Um, I just really think you're cool. The smell of chlorine on a guy. Oh, baby. And to his credit, he's like, no. Nope. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's a lot of credit for a dude. A dude usually thinks that you want them even when you've shown absolutely no indication. <laughs> So the fact that she's actively following him around, it, most dudes would think that she likes him, but he he doesn't buy it. So um, he basically just tells her, stop following me, even though, okay, so this exchange. So she basically comes out with it and says, well, okay, there's a creature that is killing people and I'm afraid you might be next. So I'm trying to protect you. And he... Um, and I think it's very odd that, so Buffy says, it's already killed some people. And duh, it's killed his friends on his swim team. Like he is friends with Cameron and Dodd. He has been shown interacting with both of them. And he just like, he's not even distraught. Like really? Okay, don't pick apart plot holes in Buffy. Don't pick apart plot holes in Buffy. It's all about the emotional residence and character development. It has nothing, you know, this show is not really about plot. So that's okay. Moving on. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't even seem to know that his friends Dodd and Cameron are gone now. Whatever. So he basically just tells her to back off. You know? Don't follow me anymore, bitch. And she... To her credit, consent, she immediately, she's probably just giving him a moment because she's still, she has to protect him. So she's probably still going to follow him. But to her credit, she, she gives him a second. He leaves the bronze. He's out in the alley and he's like muttering to himself as he walks out, psycho bitch. And Angel comes up. So this is our only scene with Angel this episode. And he's like, gotta be talking about Buffy because he hears the word psycho bitch. So here's where I realized for the first time, and I wrote in my notes, that obviously, because Angel lurks, he is watching Buffy at all times. 
all times that it's nighttime where he can watch her. He did that when he was a good guy, and he does that now. Like Willow said a few episodes ago, you're still the only thing he thinks about. So true. So I realized for the first time, obviously Angel's been watching. He knows that Buffy has been following this guy. And so he's interested in why Buffy is following this guy. So he basically was lying in wait for this dude to leave so that he could attack him because he's jealous. So first time I realized that that... Uh, in the past, I just, for some reason, thought that Angel happened to be walking by. But of course he didn't happen to be walking by. He knows, actually, he actually knows how to be discreet and follow someone, unlike Buffy. <laughs> so anyway, um, then they have this weird exchange where um, Gage is like, well, how do you know Buffy? And Angel says you know, that they used to be a thing. And this is where Gage says, my condolences, dude. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Earlier, Gage said the words, what is that foulness? Because so far, I don't know if I mentioned this, but so far, right before you see the sea creature and the person becomes a pile of skin, somebody is smelling something every time. Like, oh God, what is that awful smell? And they check their armpits or whatever. And then the sea creature attacks. So we know that the gill monsters have a smell. So anyway, um, he says, my condolences, dude. And Angel says, who does she think she is? The chosen one <laughs> or something weird little exchange. But Westworth is a good actor. Like every scene with Gage in it is engaging. Ha engaging. Get it? Ha. Okay. Sorry. Um, I need to wrap this up because I don't really want to talk about this episode for an hour, but it's obviously going to happen because it's already been 45 minutes. Anyway, so at this point, Angel attacks Gage and um, then he stops pretty quickly and starts like spitting. Like he's obviously, the Gage's blood has tasted terrible to Angel. Um Buffy hears Gage screaming. She comes out to the alley and then they, there's a brief fight. Like basically she just kicks Angel and then Angel runs away because, you know, he was only going to kill Gage to get under Buffy's skin, but then his blood tasted bad and she confronted him and he's like, okay, I'm out. So he ran off. That's the last we see of Angel in this whole episode. And, um, Buffy has just saved Gage and, um, He's like, you know, what the fuck? And Buffy says, or Gage asks, you know, is that the thing that's after me? And Buffy says, no, that's something else. And then she says, unfortunately, we have a lot of something else, something else's in this town. And then she says, good night, because he's asked her to back off and he, she's going to back off like consent. I like it. Um, she turns around. She says, good night. She starts walking off and he follows her and he's like, walk me home. <laughs> So that was the, like, interactions between Buffy and Gage are kind of interesting, even though he's still sort of an asshole, but he's the most compelling asshole. Engage is engaging. Mm-hmm. So the next day, um, everybody's at the pool. So Buffy is still, they're sitting on the bleachers. It's Buffy, Cordelia, and Willow sitting at the, in the bleachers, and they've got popcorn, and they're just sort of, like, hanging out watching a swim practice. And because Buffy is still apparently, you know, Gage has consented to her 
protecting him. So she's still following him around, but now with his full knowledge. And he stops in the middle of the pool and, like, waves at Buffy. It was such a cute little moment. The best. Like, if I started writing cute little moments of the episode, that would be the one. Because he just sort of stops mid-swim and waves at Buffy. And it's just cute. Um, let's see. And then we get the moment of Xander in a Speedo. And it's, that also brings me flashbacks of high school because I dated somebody on a swim team. And, um, they also, like, our colors were the same as Sunnydale's colors. They, their colors are, like, maroon and yellow. I guess ours were, like, maroon and gray. But the Speedo was exactly the same. It's just maroon. So it just reminded me, flashed me right back to high school. Xander does look good. He does look good. And I will say that swimmers' bodies, as far as athletic body types are concerned, swimmers' bodies are the best because they're subtle. Like, they're muscular. They're lithe. They're not over the top. <laughs> as far as critiquing a, an athletic body type, swimmers got the best bodies. I think, anyway. Because it's like, it's a flexible thing. It's... Anyway, so I did enjoy this moment of Xander in the Speedo and then the other dudes in Speedos. Um, so that was a nice little moment. All the girls are like, whoa. And then they realize it's Xander, which they would have realized it's Xander right away, but they had to do the whole reveal moment where they like pan up his whole body and then you see that it's Xander. Um, but that's not how things work. As it was pointed out in my favorite, not my Buffy podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, um, when you check people out, you usually start with the head, right? Like, nobody starts with the feet. <laughs> but anyway, they had to do that for the reveal moment. So at this point, they have set it up that... Um, da, da, da. Um, I think I skipped some shit. Because I went straight from Xander in a Speedo, he looks good, to that blue spandex shirt, Buffy sees Gage change. So... After practice, I guess, whenever they... So basically what the reveal is that Xander tried out for the team and he got on the team. So he's now on the team so that he can um, watch and protect Gage when Buffy can't, such as in the locker room. Um, so he comes out from showering afterwards um, and meets Buffy in the library. And he's like, okay, well, Gage was right behind me. He's putting his shoes on. So... Xander sort of fell down on the job because he, you know, left Gage alone, but he assumed that, you know, he's putting his shoes on, he's about to walk out. So um, then he says, tag, you're it. So Buffy goes back to, you know, she goes to him at the locker room. She doesn't go in until she hears him screaming. And when she goes in, she sees him transform. So this is when you first get the reveal that it's not sea creatures attacking these boys it's that they're turning into the sea creatures. So their skin, they, the sea creature emerges from within them and their skin is left behind. That's what's going on. They are the gill monsters. That's the big reveal. So then they all meet back in the library. Like what is going on? Oh, and there was another sea creature too. So there were two gill monsters getting ready. They were trying to attack Buffy. 
in because Gage had just turned into one and then there was another one in there. So they're attacking Buffy and um, the coach kind of jumps in and helps her get away. So I thought that was interesting that he would help her because you quickly find out that he's behind all of this. He's giving them some kind of Soviet DNA, fish DNA shit um, in the steam. So he's behind all of it and he's sort of an asshole, but he helps her in this moment for some weird reason. I don't know. So this is, um, they already gave it away that it's in the steam. Like Xander's, the next scene, they're like, okay, we got to find out how they're getting it. Obviously something is changing their blood because, you know, Angel didn't like it. <laughs> something is going on with these guys and obviously they're the gill monsters. So we got to figure out what's making them like this. So Xander um, starts asking around while they're in the steam room, like, what's the deal? I need, I need a little something to improve, improve my performance. Who's holding or whatever. And one of the other guys in the steam room says, aromatherapy, you're soaking in it. So it's in the steam. Um, so Xander is freaking out later. Like, oh my God, I've, this is where you get some of the good, like fish puns. Um, like, he's freaking out and Buffy's like, well, don't break out the tartar sauce just yet. I mean, it's not like you were exposed more than once, twice. And then Xander's like three, three times a fish guy. <laughs> and, um, so they're like, okay, we gotta, we gotta accelerate this shit since Xander's in trouble now too. Um, let's see. Then you get an exchange between the coach and the, um, the nurse where she has known about this the whole time, but she, she's like, you cannot seriously, now that we know that they're turning into fish monsters, you cannot seriously still be thinking about giving them this stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. And then because she's dissenting, he throws her in, I don't know, like, there's some sort of water source underneath his office. I don't really understand this. It's, maybe it's the sewer. So he like throws her down a sewer grate because he's feeding her to the swim team members that have already turned into the gill monsters, which is odd that like, wouldn't he just send them to the ocean? Like they obviously can't be on the team anymore. Uh, I don't know. Weird plot holes again, but so he feeds the nurse to the swim team. They kill her. Um, at this point, Buffy has decided she needs to go talk to the coach some more because obviously he knows more than he's letting on. Um, and before they access their inner halibut, she needs to go talk to the cult, the coach. Um, and Giles is going to go talk to the hospital's toxicology lab to figure out an antidote, but they need to know what's in it first. Um, which is funny that Sunnydale hospital has a toxicology lab. Of course they do. Of course they do. Um, so when Buffy goes to talk to coach, she's confronting him. He leads her back to his office and he pulls a gun on her, which is the only reason why there's not a fight at this point. Cause obviously she could have overpowered him if there was, but he pulls a gun on her and he tells her to get into the grave where he just threw the nurse. And so she goes down willingly cause he's holding a gun and um, the sea creatures start surrounding her. Gill monsters start surrounding her. And 
she's like she sees the nurse's body float by and she's like what why are you doing this they've already eaten or something or something and the coach says well they've already had their dinner but the boys have other needs so yeah that happened continuing with the theme of slut shaming Buffy at some point while she's down there says um just what my reputation needs that I did it with the entire swim team like guess what you wouldn't be doing it it would be rape <laughs> like ugh. so anyway I guess the coach is just taking care of these gill monsters at least he's responsible for what he did to them he's feeding them and he's giving them sexual gratification but like they're fish all fish do is like lay eggs and somebody comes around and fertilizes them there's no fish sex unless you're a dolphin like whatever anyway so that whole thing is problematic um then we we see a scene with this probably happened beforehand but whatever they're back at the pool xander's freaking out he's rubbing his skin raw like am, am i scaly cordelia's like yeah it looks scaly because you're rubbing it it's like rubbing his neck um freaking out and he goes to like check to see if he has gills in the mirror or something and so she's alone at the pool and she sees a gill monster jump into the pool so she thinks it's xander and then we get this really cute speech from cordelia like oh god now you're a gill monster i'm but we could still date i mean i understand if you want to see other fish i'll tr i'll do everything i can to make your quality of life better even if that means little bath toys or whatever and then xander shows up as she's saying that part like that's not me and then they run and have to get away from the sea monster but like i think that's so it's a this is a character development for cordelia obviously because like she really genuinely cares about xander if she's willing to like consider continuing to date him even though he's a gill monster i don't know like it seems very uncharacteristic of cordelia because like and also extremely impractical that's never gonna work but i i think we're just supposed to see this as being you know a character development for cordelia so we got that um let's see buffy's been gone a really long time to, when she said she was gonna go question the coach so xander goes to figure out what's going on he goes to the coach's office and um the coach immediately is like harris how are you doing like he likes him because he's a member of the swim team and xander his this is where we get like the final uh, fish pun I think we could have had more fish puns but this is where we get the final one um, so he asks him Harris how you doing and Xander says I'm a little dry nothing a nothing a lemon butter sauce won't cure <laughs> uh, um, so then um, Xander saves Buffy because she can't get out of this little area. She's just trapped in like whatever this little water area is underneath the coach's office. Um, Xander reaches his hand down and she jumps up and he gets her out of the grate. During the kerfuffle, the coach starts to go over and um, because she had to trip him because he was starting to attack 
Xander, I think. Um, so he falls into the grate and she, even though he tried to sacrifice her to his gill monsters, and even though he's the reason for all this shit, he's also human. So Buffy still tries to save him. She grabs him by the ankle. Um, she, he's like wiggling around and she loses him and he falls and she still reaches down like grab my hand but he doesn't and he gets attacked by his gill monsters here's where we get another problematic comment you just see like the gill monsters descending on him and then you see like xander and buffy's face as they're looking down into the grate and you just see their reactions to watching this thing happen to the coach and Buffy says, those boys really love their coach. So that happened. I just, I'm not even going to comment on that. <laughs> not even going to comment on it. So at this point, it's basically over. Um, Giles has locked the swim team in the book drop, which how is that going to help anything? I don't know. But apparently the hospital has found an antidote they're gonna do plasma transfusions or some shit um so but so xander outlines that whole thing towards the end of, at the end of the episode like they're all sitting around in the student lounge talking about it and he says that he's gonna have plasma injections or whatever and and he also makes some comment about he's gonna have to take a makeup chemistry exam so i'm guessing he was privy to the privileges of the swim team while he was on the swim team. Like, why would he have to take a makeup chemistry test? Like, obviously he just didn't have to take it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that little, it was just like, you know, what are you going to do today, Xander? Take a makeup chemistry test and get a blood transfusion. Like, I don't know. Anyway. So then, um, <laughs> Giles comes up and says that animal control lost the sea creatures and so they're all like, uh, okay, what do we do now? And Buffy's like, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then the very last scene is, um, you just see that the gill monsters have taken to the ocean. So they're not trying to save these people that were formerly human, apparently. They're just like, okay, whatever, they're gonna go back to the ocean, not my problem. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's get to my ratings. So outfit of the episode, another episode, second episode in a row of um, just forgettable outfits for the most part. Um, I did, I had a little note about Buffy's blue spandex shirt that she was wearing um, during the scene where they were on the bleachers watching um, the swim practice. She was wearing this Um and it's the kind of blue, it's like a cerulean blue and it's spandex. And I feel like, um, I put in my notes, like you only see that blue in late nineties fashion. I feel like it has never, ever existed in fashion except for the late nineties. And I remember I had a zip up short sleeve spandex shirt in that exact color. <laughs> it's just this like, I don't know. Let me know if you guys watched the episode, if you had any kind of reaction to this particular color, because it's very 1998, I feel like, you know, anyway. Um, 
And I also have just like a little side gripe about Buffy's cross necklaces. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but it annoys me that like pretty much in every episode you see her wearing like two or three different cross necklaces. Like I get that she wears cross necklaces because it's part of the thing. Vampires are scared of crosses and she can't wear her iconic cross necklace right now because Angel gave it to her. I totally get why she's not wearing that one, but I kind of call bullshit on somebody like Buffy doesn't have time to shop for 17 different cross necklaces. Like, why is it always a different one? It should just be one cross necklace that is obviously not the angel given cross necklace. Like, as long as it's not that one, like, seriously, I I don't know. Just, I think cross necklaces are so ugly too so that's part of my problem and they're always like different links and like seriously just one one alternate angel given cross necklace please Buffy come on so that's just my own little gripe let's get to our ratings of the episode um outfit of the episode like I said we're real skim here so I'm basically grasping at straws because I'm giving it to Xander um because he had this shirt. It was only in one scene, but, um, he had this really awesome, really pale blue, like almost white. It was so, um, so light blue shirt that had, um, it wasn't exactly rosebuds. It kind of looked like wheatgrass with little tiny buds. So it was almost like some kind of budding grass plant. There were little red buds on a light blue shirt. It was like a collared, flowy, late 90s dude shirt. And um, it looked good. And I couldn't even, it was only in one scene and you only saw him from the waist up. So I don't even know. Like, I assume he was just wearing some regular Xander pants. And I don't know, he had like a black t-shirt on under the shirt. Um, But I couldn't even see the whole outfit. But I'm giving it to him for that shirt just because it was so good. Quote of the episode I already said was um, Xander confronting Cameron. Like, I guess Buffy isn't on your list of privileges after all. Object of the episode for the second week in a row, I'm giving it to the bulletin board <laughs> in Willow's class. Um, because I don't think you could see this in the last episode, but in this episode, it's become a character. Like, it's in the background all the time. I love the setting of, like, they get to be in the classroom in a lot of scenes just because of the fact that Willow's teaching a class right now, so it's a possible place that she could be even when no one else is. Um, So last episode, we saw that it had border paper that had mice on it, computer mice, and um, little CDs too. But now you got to see the top of the bulletin board and it said cyberspace. How awesome is that? It's like a character in the episode. So that's my object of desire is that um, all I have in my little um, office space is a 12 by 12 like chunk of cork board that I've put up to use as a bulletin board, like 12 inches by 12 inches. So it's really not big enough for me to have a proper cyberspace. But if I could get like a little micro border of uh, computer mice and then like some small letters to spell out cyberspace. (laughs) I would totally do it and I might do it. That's my object of desire from the episode. The most valuable player of the episode in a rare 
incidents, I am going to give it to Xander. I mean, he defended Buffy. He got on the swim team to like, you know, play his part, protect Gage. Um, he saved Buffy at the end from getting raped by the entire swim team. He was not misogynistic at all in this episode. He, he did a good job. He played his part. This is Xander at peak helpfulness level in this episode. So you, you got to give him reinforcement. You got to give him chops, uh, accolades, awards, whatever for that. So he gets the most valuable player of the episode. As far as my five by five ratings, um, as y'all know, I pick a score out of five for the enjoyability of each episode and the um, clarity of the message. So there's almost always a hellmouth metaphor for something that happens in real life that is supposed to be conveyed in each episode. So as far as enjoyability, I gave this episode a three. I almost want to give it less than that. It's not a bad episode. It's perfectly enjoyable. It's, I, I like these fluff episodes of Buffy for the most part. It is triggering at times. And I feel like they were bringing up topics of, um, you know, they were bringing up slut shaming and stuff like that, but they didn't really follow through on the commentary of it. So I originally gave it a four for clarity, but I'm going to take that down to a three actually, because I think that they, it was like they had something to say, but they didn't, they just didn't execute it well. Um, I mean, I guess it still spurred good conversation right here. As if my conversation is good <laughs> monologue, I guess, but I don't know. I just, I think they obviously wanted to say something about privilege and they did. They said something about privilege, but I think they could have done a better job with it and they didn't connect the whole slut shaming situation side situation. They didn't connect it well enough. Um, so I don't know this, this episode kind of fails for me in clarity. Um, but it was still middle of the road. It still started a conversation. So it gets a three by three. So it's overall score for Buffy's Go Fish episode is nine. So what did you guys think about this episode? Um, again, don't forget, I got my Twitter poll up. So I would love to know what you guys would like me to do with my four month Buffy hiatus. And if you're not a Twitter person, you could just let me know in other ways. One of those ways is you can email me. So um, mixtressradio at gmail is a way that you can do that. Or you can message me on Instagram. I have, um, which I don't have an Instagram for this podcast. I don't know if I should. I have one for my radio show. It's under mixtressradio. So you can message me there if you would like. Um, yeah, so let me know what you think about what we should do in the four month hiatus. I would love to talk about Veronica Mars with you because I think it's, um, definitely an interesting show. Um, in contrast to Buffy, that show is airtight with its plots. Like plots are a big deal in Veronica Mars and they're kind of ingenious. Um, 
And the, the way that morality is dealt with in Veronica Mars is a very interesting contrast to the morality in Buffy. Um, so that would, it would be interesting to talk about. So if you guys are into that, definitely let me know. Um, we will be back next week. Next Saturday, we'll be talking about the first part in the season finale of season two, Becoming Part One. So it's going to get real heavy next week. This is our last moment of brevity. <laughs> um, so get ready. Have your Kleenexes ready. We'll be back next week with Becoming Part One. Thanks for listening. Bye.